Which mixture of emotion am I thinking of when I think of that journey home from London? Which fear or despair belongs to that moment, and which is a subsequent version, or just a story I've told myself? Which particular feeling of loss, I wonder, should I ascribe to those food courts at Heathrow, to those giant ornamental goldfish circling in their dreary pool at Changi? I see myself walking away from Alice through the long airport corridors. But Alice never came to the airport. She wished, she said, that she had never met me. I see her turn away from the terminal and walk out into the London rain, but it was not raining. And as I sit here in K, now, this gloomy little German town, in this tiny, frosted room writing these words, it is always Alice who appears first in my mind, even though I remember thinking that nothing would ever supplant that strange reality which was calling me home to Melbourne to see my father, who had suddenly begun to die. I often recall that plane trip home. It comes at me out of the blue some days. I was twenty-seven years old, and I was no longer an artist, although I could not recall ever wanting to be anything else. I remember the smooth edge of the runway where a field of pale green weeds suddenly fell away into the distance below us. I remember the feeling of dull vertigo, and I remember a wave of clear grief as the plane finally left the ground. It's rare, I suppose, that our lives are given such definition, uh, marked out as clearly as that, so that the part which is over tilts away and another part, the future, for instance, begins. And because of that plane ride, because of what it's somehow come to represent, I think, as I write this, of a film I saw in an exhibition not long ago after I got back to Melbourne. I had arranged to meet someone who was running late, and so I went into the gallery alone, fully prepared in the gloom to be disappointed, as I generally am by video art. The place was empty, and the muffled sound of competing soundtracks came from various sets of headphones as I walked amongst an array of small televisions and through the blue glare of various data projections to a seat at random somewhere near the back of the room. I sat down and watched something finish, something about water dripping into a bucket, and then a sort of documentary began, faded Super 8 footage of cyclists navigating the twisted streets of an otherwise empty-seeming city in the 1970s, I think, while dogs wandered by and ominous, unfashionable police or soldiers smoked cigarettes behind barbed wire fences. This had once been Gorizia, I learned, a city divided in accordance with the Paris Peace Treaty of 1947. On one side of the fence, the old city remained as part of Italy, with its ancient castle high up on the hill, while the new city, on the other side, Nova Gorizia, was conceived and rebuilt over the following years in accordance with the modern socialist ideals as a city of the future, a city without a need for history. For 60 years, even after the collapse of Yugoslavia, when Nova Gorizia became part of the newly established state of Slovenia, the two cities faced one another across a dividing line patrolled by those officious border police. In 2007, when the dividing wall finally came down, a video artist called Anya Medved set up what she called a smuggler's confessionary in a decommissioned customs hut, a private booth sealed with a red velvet curtain in which residents could recount in private, before a running camera, a story from their own experience of that strangely divided city, from that incompressible gap between two adjacent realities. One old man told of the way the border separated him from his father, who worked on the Italian side. 
As a small boy, he would visit the border with his mother and wave to his father across the dividing zone. Once, for his birthday, this old man recalled, his father wrapped something in a bundle and attempted to throw it across the stretch of no man's land that separated them. Unfortunately, it fell short. I almost fainted, the man said. I so very much wanted to pick up that parcel. The Yugoslav border guard observed them with suspicion, but the boy and his mother were too frightened to say anything. Then the guard went and picked up the package. He was probably taking a risk. It was probably against regulations to do such a thing, but perhaps taking pity on them. The guard carried the parcel over and handed it to the boy. I unwrapped it, the man recalled. My father had given me a harmonica. At Charles de Gaulle there are rabbits that scatter in the green gullies between the tarmac, but I remember in particular the green weeds moving in the...